0: What's up everybody, welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, Friday edition, a very special Friday edition because it's a Brady Quinn football show.
1: What's up, Brady? That almost uh, sounded like an 80s porn, uh, uh, that was like, yeah. like Magnum P.I., you
0: know? It was, uh, it was a cross, I've been practicing it for a few weeks, it's a cross between Magnum P.I., uh, Green Acres, and 80s porn.
1: There
0: you go. (laughs) Yeah, it's perfect. Uh, I'm Will Brinson, of course. I am the host of the uh, podcast here. CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. Today is the last podcast for the first opening week of free agency. And I gotta be honest, guys. it's been a long week. A lot of work. Everybody's been grinding. Brady's been doing tons of video on CBS Sports HQ. If you're not watching CBS Sports HQ, what are you doing? We had live, I mean, basically instantaneous reaction of the Le'Veon Bell signing and album release at 1am at, at featuring multiple uh, experts, myself, Pete Prisco, et cetera, et cetera. You can watch it at cbsports.com slash live. Highly recommend you spend your entire day doing that. We have great picks on Sportsline. It's our show from, uh, I think it's usually six to seven. I assume it will be the same time leading up to these basketball games. It'll get you locked if you want to bet on some basketball, um, and golf picks, whatever you need. Anyway, watch Sportsline, watch what CBS Sports HQ. Brady and I are going to dive into some of the bigger overarching issues surrounding free agency and the opening of the league year, I think it's a pretty obvious first one, right, Brady? I mean, it, it has to be the Browns and Odell Beckham. Isn't that the big story? And I don't want to, like, beat it to death because we've talked about it, you know, like, in the wake of the trade. But, I mean, what is your take on the Browns suddenly being 14-1 to to win the Super Bowl and the favorites
1: in the AFC North? There's no guarantee that they're going to win the AFC North uh, considering how competitive that division has been. And and to say that they're going to be a Super Bowl contender, uh, that that to me I think needs to be proven over the course of the season. And and so look, I'm all for the hype. Like I I think they should be the favorites to win the AFC North. you look looking at them on paper, they're the most talented team, but we we know that doesn't always equate to wins. I remember signing with the Kansas City Chiefs as a free agent. You know, seeing Jamal Charles and Caden Hillis in the backfield and some of the additions, and looking at a guy like Dexter McCluster coming in with with Dwayne Bowe and and having played them when I was with the Denver Broncos, the you know previous two years, think to myself, you know, this this is a team that can, can make some noise, has a lot of talent, and we just never really got things together as a team. We had a new offensive coordinator that year, and the system you know didn't necessarily work. Couldn't ever really find a groove. Had a bunch of injuries, and and nothing. Real, and it was a terrible season. We were the worst team in the league. Hmm. So, I'm not saying that Cleveland's going to follow that path. But I, I think there's a few things at play that make it really, really difficult for them to be as successful as people think they are, and that's for all this to come together, all these moving parts, and with you know a, a potentially new offense, a new offensive play call. The reason why I say new offense was Freddie Kitchens was wasn't calling his offense last year. That was Todd Haley's, and so there's going to be a transition this year and a learning curve with that and with the new personnel and same thing for the defense with Steve Wilkes coming in. So, um, that, you know, getting over that's going to be difficult. They're going to play a tougher schedule. They're going to have to handle the hype and, and all the noise and everything else. Whereas you know, this past year, they just had to win a game. <laughs> I mean, all they had to do was win a game. And it was an improvement on their 2017 season. Now people are thinking they're going to win the division. So if you want to win the division, the, the Baltimore Ravens won this year at 10 and six. You're a seven, eight, one team last year. And I always say this, the hardest step to take because there's, there's three, there's three types of teams in the NFL. There's those that are rebuilding or just got off organizations and they'll usually never really be able to get out of the cellar unless there's a drastic change in culture with the head coach, a uh, player uh, or change in ownership. Or there's teams that are in rebuilding. And so they may have to knock things down to build it back up. There's those that are in like purgatory and they're somewhere between six and 10 and nine and seven. And they're pretty much like that every single year. And they just can't quite seem to figure out how to become that team that gets to the next step and the next level. And that's a consistent winner, an organization that has a short-term and long-term vision uh, understands, you know, how to give a coach time when there's adversity and understands how to build around a player that may be aging. And so the transition to that next player, especially a quarterback, uh, isn't as drastic. And, and that's where you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. Those two organizations, especially you know the, the Pittsburgh Steelers since Mike Tomlin's taken over, they haven't had a losing season. And, and we're all of a sudden expecting the Cleveland Browns to go from third this past year in the division to jump up to be the first. Uh, like, I'm all for it as a fan and as a former player. Of course I want that. But I think as an analyst, I have to step back and be objective and say, it's not doing it. – it's a, it's an incredible injustice to um, the Steelers, Mike the job he's done, and then John Harbaugh on that team and the job they do year in, year out, to think that they're just going to give away that division this year and those teams aren't going to be able to compete and those teams aren't going to, you know, make it hard for Cleveland to win those those three extra games they got to win in order to potentially go 10-6 and six and win the division. That's the hardest step to take. It's not being from really bad or rebuilding to being in that purgatory, that, that middle-of-the-road team. It's being that middle-of-the-road team and figuring out how to be a winning team to win a division, to go to the playoffs, and how to stay there. That, that's the hardest step, I think, for any organization or team to take. Yeah, I mean, the
0: Browns have won eight games in the last three years. I mean, it's not like this team, and they're over-under, by the way, according to William Hill, is eight and a half for 2019. I, I get it. I, I think one thing that's being sort of lost here, Brady, and we can, you know, this is a bigger topic of free agency, but I think it plays into the whole idea of getting Odell back and trading for him, is that, you know, for his, for, look, Antonio Brown and, and Le'Veon Bell are great, but... They didn't have Le'Veon Bell last year on Pittsburgh, and that's not the whole team. I mean, they have been Roethlisberger. They have a great offensive line. They have Juju Smith-Schuster. You know, they uh, they added, I think, a pretty sneaky signing in Dante Moncrief for cheap. I'm not saying he's going to replace Antonio Brown or anything, but, you know, they have James Washington, who they, they love coming out of the draft. Uh, they have James Conner. They have defensive players that, you know, at t- like they had a defensive unit that at times looked okay last year. I think it, writing off the Pittsburgh Steelers is maybe the biggest mistake of this entire offseason to me.
1: I'm with you. I think writing them off, thinking that they're not going to be, you know, some, somewhere involved in all this. Um, you know, if you want to make the case about the Cincinnati Bengals, just because they've they've gone through a couple rough years, they're going through a transition with a new head coach and a young head coach, first time, or like I could understand that. Um, but I just I don't think the Baltimore Ravens organization is going to go go away quietly either. And that's the an organization that we're we're all sitting there watching C.J. Mosley go off in free agency and and uh, Smith and Preston Smith. Both edge rushers and then releasing Eric Weddle, we're like, oh my gosh, what are they gonna do? Well, they go ahead and sign Mark Ingram and then they sign Earl Thomas, two solid veteran players that you know I, I think we'll be good within the system there. And they're probably not done yet; they'll conti- continue to keep adding to the roster and probably do a good job drafting because they typically do. And same thing with Pittsburgh. On that note, by the way, like just because Antonio Brown's gone, who they found in the sixth round, you don't think they can find another receiver <laughs> and and you know allow him to then factor into all this. They did find Juju Smith-Schuster in the second round. Did they find Emmanuel Sanders? Mike Wallace? James Washington. Mike Wallace? I mean, you can continue to go on down the line. Like, they're really good at doing that. And so, I I think to think that just because they lose Antonio Brown, they won't, A, either find one to replace him, or, B, think that Juju Smith-Schuster can't step into the number one role, James Washington can't step into the number two role, um, you know, they signed back Eli Rogers on another one-year deal. He'll factor it as well at some point. He's, he's a veteran now in that roster. I mean, there's there's a number of players they have that I think have the ability to step up. And, and James Conner obviously had running back with the absence of Le'Veon Bell. We saw that last year. So uh, I, I just think I'm all for the hype. I, I love it. Personally, I love it. But at the same time, I think it puts a lot of pressure with the addition of Odell Beckham and Olivier Vernon and everything else it puts the most pressure on Freddie Kitchens to be able to make it all come together and make it work. And that's a tough thing to ask for a guy who's doing this for the first time in his entire life as head coach. I'm with you. It's
0: undersold. I mean, there's a, a like Steve Wilkes is a good defensive coordinator, but he's, all these guys are in a new scheme. I mean, it's a, it's. You know, you can't, we, I think Freddie Kitchens would be good because what we, we've seen from him at least indicates to me that he has the personality and the drive and, and sort of the, the, not ego free approach, but I mean, I think all the things you see, you believe that he can get it done, but nobody can ever know for sure that they're going to be a successful head coach in the NFL. No one. I mean, like, like you, you can believe it in your head all you want and you can think, you can make all the right moves to set yourself up for this, the coming season, but you can't ever know that you're going to be a good head coach. Until you actually, until you actually get in there. Uh, the, you know, from the Giants side on the Odell stuff, we started off the podcast with that two, two days in a row. But I am curious what you think about a team like the Giants trading a superstar wide receiver away to focus on running the ball and letting their 38 year old quarterback operate this offense, um, while trying to rebuild and, and, and generally, like, what the hell are the Giants doing?
1: So I don't see it quite the same way. Okay. Um yeah, you know, I, I, I think like like for example, because eventually maybe we'll talk about Antonio Brown and the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, accepting a third and a fifth for him yeah, in I mean, that like, trade. We haven't talked to- we, we
0: haven't talked in like two weeks. A lot I don't know if you know a lot of stuff happened. Like like Yeah. Uh, Aunt, Becky, Aunt, Becky, so, Aunt Becky we'll, Aunt Becky and Will Wade are both under investigation by the FBI. It's nuts, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that at some point because um, I've got a lot of thoughts on that. But, look, the uh, the thing about the, the trade is it's not like the New York Giants didn't get something in return. I mean, they got a first, a third, and a, and a safety in Jabril Peppers, who not only one is younger than Landon Collins, is cheaper, is probably not, you know, as far as ability-wise, uh, he actually provides a little bit more for you. I think he's a better cover player as a safety than Landon Collins was. You know, he, he maybe not, he's maybe not as proven as Landon Collins was, but I think he has just as much upside. And he could potentially help you out in the return game. So, you know, from that perspective, and then you look at them getting a first and third out of it, I, I don't see anything so wrong about that. Hmm. I mean, if they want to, they can go back to the draft with, with that first round pick, Go get a wide receiver. Or wait, because I think this is a draft that, in my opinion, doesn't have quite the top end players but has a lot of depth. You can find a lot of value in this draft of wide receivers. So I think as far as the compensation they got for him, I think it's fair. Um, and and I think you're looking at what the plan is for David Gettleman. And look, he, I think he's trying to rebuild this roster while still being able to feel like they can be competitive. Like getting Kevin Zeidler for the Olivier Vernon in that trade, to me it tells me they're still trying to win. Like you're still trying to bring in quality pieces that can help out this team. I think that's another reason why you get Pepper Pepper's Um, to to take over for Landon Collins. So, you know, I I don't look at it as as quite as bad as other people do. I think a year from now, we could look back at this and say, man, maybe the Giants did get the better end of that deal, or maybe two years from now and make that case. Um, And especially, look, especially if that first rounder ends up being a quarterback to replace Eli Manning at some point in time, or if if that ends up being draft capital. Like, right now, the Arizona Cardinals wanted 2 for Josh Rosen. They trade him for it too. Mm. So, if, if somehow they package together picks and they go to the second round, they trade good Josh Rosen, and he's the heir apparent to Eli Manning, you tell me then if you've got a quarterback out of that and then a safety that's going to help you out and contribute, you tell me your future quarterback and that safety, that being in your backfield for a number of years, doesn't outweigh maybe what Odo Beckham's going to bring. All I mean, right. to, to me, I, I feel like that would end up being a, a better scenario, more valuable if it worked out that way whether they draft a quarterback in the first round or end up using some of those picks to trade for a guy like Josh Rosen. Okay. Are you
0: saying that you're hearing that the Cardinals want a two, or is that, are you just speculating that they would take a two for him at this point? Both. Okay. I mean, cause I'm, I'm not like I'm asking you to report news on the pick six podcast, but you know, right. I mean, That's it, not my job, but right. I, I think uh, if, if they went
1: down for Rosen, they'd take a two for him.
0: Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, I think I think you're probably right. And th- look, that's it's it's good. I, I like that. I like that you are willing. You're not a contrarian per se, but I think you are level. Like you are, re- you like to take a step back and sort of say, "All right, why is everybody freaking out in this direction? Are we sure that's accurate?" Like, and, and that's fine. I mean, I I don't. If they needed to get rid of Odell Beckham, I'm cool with it. But I don't understand why they they would have signed him in the first place. Like, why did you not just trade him Trade him last year and don't sign him and don't pay him $21 million for 2018 and then don't act like you have a plan in place when it's very obvious you, you don't have a plan in place?
1: Well, that is one thing that bothered me, is David is a smart guy. You know, he was a part of the New York Giants franchise when they put together Super Bowl-winning rosters. He went to Carolina, put together a roster that won the NFC and got through a Super Bowl. So, you know, he's a smart guy. Yeah. Um, and and you can't tell me that there's any reason that he needs to lie to people, like he's too smart to do that. And don't tell me, well, if you didn't tell people that uh, we didn't sign him to trade him, so they could draw, you know, drive up the value for Odo Beckham in a trade, you know, then they would have been able to trade him. Really, you don't <laughs> need to say that. Like if I was in his shoes, I would have said, you know, look, we signed Odo Beckham for the long term because you think we think he's a rare talent, he's a special player, um, and and for someone to make the case that, you know, we would potentially trade him after signing him to this deal, it would have to be the greatest offer of offers of all time, right? Like you, you make one of those types of statements where you're not denying it. And maybe in your mind, you feel like a first a third in Jabril Peppers is a hell of an offer considering really where was Jabril Peppers taken in the first round? Yeah, sure. I'm sure they looked at him and had a first round grade on him. So in their mind, they're getting a first round talent, another first round talent and with a pick. And then a third round talent out of that for Odell Beckham, which, for as good as he is from a statistical standpoint, and, and even as much as he can elevate the level of everyone else out around him because he draws more attention and coverage, what has that gotten the Giants?
0: Well, I, I mean, mean,
1: honestly, like, like you could say whatever you want. For fantasy, it's great. And, and for exposure and all that, and then people to be a you know, fan favorite of Odell Beckham, great. But look at the top 13 highest paid wide receivers last year. I heard a stat of something like that. Any of those guys make the playoffs? Win a playoff game last year? Yeah, I mean, I mean it, the bottom line is you you look at the model, of the New England Patriots. They're not paying that guy. I think the, that, I, that's not how they get to the Super Bowl. I think the Patriots would love to get Odell Beckham. <laughs> I think
0: I think Bill Belichick would trade for Odell Beckham if he believed that Odell Beckham could be his new version of Randy Moss. And I think that's what John Dorsey thinks. I think he can get. I think he thinks he can get him in there with Jarvis Landry. That Dude, guys, you're out
1: of your mind. Yeah, you're talking about a guy who really wants to try to trade for that, that cap hit? He's, he's not going to pay him that. I mean, look, he? he's paying Michael Bennett because I think he understands how the game works now, that Michael Bennett's going to impact games more so than Odo Beckham will. I mean, if he really wanted him, you don't think he would have tried to figure out a way of trading for him? I don't think teams or, like or Antonio or, 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 or Antonio Brown, for that matter. Like, let, let, let's start in that conversation. You don't think that, that they're you know comparable as far as ability? I mean, what was, what was the age of Randy Moss when they traded for him?
0: Uh, Randy Moss. He wasn't a
1: spry chicken.
0: No, he wasn't. Randy Moss is also like a. Uh, he's, he's not exactly. Uh, yeah, he's a unicorn. Um, and when he got to New England, he was. Uh, he,
1: he, he, what? what? Who's done what Antonio Brown's done since Jerry Rice? No, look, In 2002. No, no one's had six straight seasons of the production Antonio Brown's put up. Antonio I'm Ra- just saying. Antonio if, Brown's if, a unicorn, if you want to too. we make the case. Okay, but if you want to make the case that oh they would take Odell Beckham, dude, don't you can't you can just throw that out there and not say well they could have gotten Antonio Brown then for a third and fifth. Well, and do you think Antonio Brown would have gone in there and created a bunch of issues with Bill Belichick, that culture, and Tom Brady? No,
0: but I don't, the, no. the Steelers weren't willing to trade Antonio Brown to the to the Patriots. Is is my understanding and belief? Sure, I, I,
1: well, I think that I think that would have differed if they would have given him something better than a third and a fifth. Right, 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 but I mean, that, right. but, every, every, Everyone says that until all of a sudden they offer him a first-round pick, and I say, all right, maybe we are willing to trade Antonio Brown there. I don't. Right? I yeah, I don't. We'll have to see him maybe once a year.
0: Right, I'm with you, but I don't think Bill Belichick is willing to give up a first. Like he gave up a fourth-round pick for Randy Moss. You know, what I mean, he got Randy Moss uh, on a, on a value deal. I think he believes he can be. He needs help on the defensive side of the ball uh in other
1: positions. That's what he can use his first. So round So you're basically pick. proving my point because I don't think he's going to give up a first, a third, and another player either to get Odell Beckham. No, I don't. I don't either. I don't think he. Would either, but I I don't
0: think he would be scared of the cap hit. I think Bill Belichick, if he could get Odell Beckham for cheap, would in terms of the cost of of what he has to give up to get him, would absolutely be fine acquiring Odell Beckham. But doesn't want him for the cost that the that the the the, the, like the Browns. I wrote this today. The Browns paid a a significant. Cost for it. The number seventeen overall pick in a deep and talented defensive draft. Peppers who I agree, as you point out, of twenty fifth overall in the two thousand sixteen NFL draft, um, the Giants took Evan Ingram before that. I mean he's a he's basically a late first round or maybe maybe even a high second rounder if you want to devalue it because he's he's been in the league. I mean you maybe you could say he's a mid first rounder. I don't know where he'd go in this draft. Um and then you know they get a third round pick and you get Kevin uh Kevin Zeitler and you ship out Olivier Vernon's deal, you're probably gonna cut him anyway. So I I don't I don't hate the construct of what they got in return. What I hate is that the Giants don't appear to have a fundamental concept of how to build out and prepare their roster. Now, this all changes if Dave Gettleman gets a quarterback who will be successful, but he is heretofore not shown a, an ability, in my opinion, to, to find quarterbacks.
1: So Cam's not a quarterback that you found? He didn't find was Cam. Was that Marty Herney? The
0: Marty Herney drafted Cam.
1: Okay. Well, I mean, you know, so how, when has David Gettleman really been in a position to, to do that, right? Um last year with Sam
0: Darnold and Saquon Barkley?
1: Yeah, but, again, him choosing not to do that last year, maybe he's choosing not to do that this year because he's looking for the long term. You know, why would you force him to take a guy that he doesn't love? I, I, I mean, know if, we, I if, we were, if we're looking at Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray, and we say that, well, neither one of those guys would be in the top three, top four, for last year's quarterbacks based on their grade, and that's what people have said to be honest with you, when I think back on that, I, I'm i not sure how to look at Kyler Murray. I think uh, in comparison to Baker, I'd take Baker. In comparison to um, Sam Darnold, I'd probably take Sam. I mean, but when I think about it, I'd probably put them you know, past those two and then maybe Josh Allen as well. I might have Dwayne Haskins and Josh Allen and Kyler Murray kind of wrapped up in that mix with Josh Rosen and then Lamar Jackson behind him. But if that's the case, so you can you make the case that, well, they shouldn't have passed up on Sam Darnold, but maybe he didn't have Sam Darnold that high. You know, maybe in his mind, he still won his contract job and get it to Eli, wants to see what Eli can do, and felt like Saquon was your know, can't-miss prospect, which won the the rookie of the year. So, you know, I don't think him passing up on Sam Darnold, there's anything wrong with that. It's an indictment considering the guy he took ended up winning rookie of the year over top of him. A lot of bad teams all right that's that's and fine this year well that's fine but, but this year here's the thing is but here's the thing they don't need to take one this year like I, for people thinking they need to take one they're not the, they're the Washington Redskins need to trade for Case Keenum or the Miami Dolphins that if they cut Ryan Tannehill yeah you need to do something I mean they could wait another year and they could they could look at trying to get Justin Herbert who I think they went and saw play like four or five times this year and anticipating him coming out from Oregon He decided to go back to a Tonga by who will be draft eligible. Jake Fromm, who will be draft eligible. I mean, they could get any of those three. And if this season doesn't go well, and if this roster isn't still complete or still in the works, they'll be in position to get there and they don't have to necessarily reach maybe even better than number six overall. Okay. So I just, I'm not necessarily subscribing to the theory that they need to take one right now. or They have to, like, I think if, if they love a guy, then fine, take him at six or go up and get him. But if they don't, you can still wait till next year. Eli Manning had one of his better statistical years last year.
0: What about the f- <laughs> okay? The um, what about what about the fact that Saquon Barkley? <laughs> well, look at look at his career. Okay, look at his career during the regular season. Right. Well, that says more about Eli Manning as a as a quarterback than it does about Eli Manning's incredible performance last year. What about the fact that when you look at like, the, all right. So you're going to end up in a situation if you are the Giants, where you are taking a quarterback who is then going to be starting his rookie year, either in Saquon Barkley's third or fourth season. And at that point, you're going to have to extend Saquon Barkley. All I'm saying is that it doesn't.
1: Why, why do we act like that's an issue? That's the dumbest argument out there right now. And you're a smart guy, so I'm surprised you make that. Only because <laughs> has the cap not gone up by 10 or 11 million every single year? So it's, it's 20 more million that you have to work with. Yep. And it's not like, again, you, you have to extend them to some astronomical rate. Like, wh- what is with the idea that because Saquon Barker is in his third, fourth year, we have to give him some huge contract? Why is that the case? How do we know he doesn't get injured? How, how, do, how do we know that we don't have leverage as a team because, yeah, he's got a lot of touches? I mean, look at the market for running back right now. Le'Veon Bell's contract didn't reset it. No one's going to give another deal like Todd Gurley got. It's gonna be a long time before we see someone ever able to reset it again. So that's like a hypothetical situation that, you know, a is not gonna be an issue because you're going to have a salary cap probably in the what 210 million, somewhere in that in that ballpark, based on how it's continued to go up or 200 million, whatever it is. And then on top of that, like what? So what? All of a sudden you've got to pay Saquon Barkley because he's a running back. How does that make sense? Well, I mean, I I
0: think that. The problem is you're allocating a whole lot of resources to a position that you can easily fill at a much cheaper cost. That's my that's a, it's an economic principle. Look no further than Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick doesn't overpay for running backs. He has cheap running backs littered across his
1: roster, and the Giants exactly. Are, so what? So what are you talking about? Take what like you're expensive. worried about when they draft the quarterbacks, and where Saquon Barkley is in that equation? They don't what have a, that matter. They don't
0: have a quarterback.
1: They don't. They have, do right now.
0: But they have Eli Manning. Like, that is not. For, that is not a quarterback. That is is not a long term solution. quarterback. It's
1: a guy who's won two Super Bowls. That's that's two more than either you or I have. Okay. But certainly, and he's a guy who had. He's a, a guy who had the best completion percentage in his career last year. Threw for over four thousand yards at almost two to one touchdown interception ratio with a terrible offensive line. So, like uh, – and by the way, it wasn't like Odell Beckham was catching all of them. How many touchdowns has he had in the past two years? Like, what, five, six? And and they were in the first year of a system with Pat Schirmer. So, how do you know it's not going to get better this year? How, like, I, I think you're, you're, you're not looking at Eli Manning in, in the sense that, like, he could have a pretty decent year if they solidify some stuff up and he's more comfortable in a system now that they're running. That's probably drastically – I, I should say I know for a fact it's drastically different than he, what he did have. And and maybe the, not having the distraction of Odell Beckham actually makes this team better or the offense operates better. Okay. All right. That's a hot take. I like it. I'd, may Look, I hope... It's, it's not a hot take. It's like it, it's like a theory that, again, like, why do we have to look at the New England Patriots and people are like, well, they've got Tom Brady. Well, okay, Tom Brady's going to be 42 this year. Like, it can't be just about Tom Brady. Is it maybe the coaching? Is it maybe just the sum of the parts is greater than everyone else's sum. Instead of us always looking at, like, stars, like, it's still the ultimate team sport. I I don't know why we always have to make it about, like, individuals because I think, if anything, this league's proven that it still takes a team to win. And so there's, there's no doubt in my mind the Giants can be a better team even though they don't have Odell Beckham. And, you know, even if they don't draft a quarterback and they go with Eli, like, he still probably has some good football left in him.
0: Um, I, look, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I hope Giants fans throw it in my face, my article that I wrote today about the Giants not having a plan and looking like
1: fools, and I hope they tweeted at me. Um, he for the third most yards in his career last year. Like, how does that go unknown? I, I, I don't really get that. It's, I mean, he, he didn't have as like, bad of his year as people were making out to be just because he had a few bad games. It's a big moment. It's, 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 it's the same thing as the Detroit Lions. They got blown out week one. You would have thought the Detroit Lions are the number one overall pick in this year's draft, and the way people crap on that, Patricia. That defense got better, the team got better, and they are playing with a banged-up quarterback the second half of the season. But all people look at is box scores, and that's all they really care about the win-loss record, and they don't actually watch the trend of the team.
0: But, right, like, no, that team's no, not no. As no. bad. But people are blaming... Like Mike Francesca is out there blaming Odell Beckham on, or blaming the Giants' losses on. It's like, what have the Giants won since Odell came? Tell me, what have they won? What have they won? It's like, well, I mean, I'm sorry, Mike, but you know, Eli's a constant here too. There's been a lot of. I mean, it's just, I don't like the idea that Giants fans are treating this as, oh, o- Odell's been the problem the last five years. This Hall of Fame caliber receiver is the reason that we haven't won anything. Thank God he's out of yeah, here. But you sound
1: like you sound like one of those guys who played. His fantasy and is in love with him because he gets you a bunch of points in fantasy. That's what you sound like. You don't sound like a guy who's going to look at the big picture and say, I, maybe he was a distraction. Like maybe, maybe he actually was been banged up a little bit, was a distraction, wasn't good for the locker room. And maybe the team will be better off without him. Like I, I guess we'll get to wait and see. I, I guess we will. I, by the way, Pete
0: Briscoe and JB Eisenberg are currently texting me and harassing me with, uh, A picture of me from 2013, and they're like, they're like, you look like you're older. Like, yeah, (laughs) that's how it works, pal. What is what is the matter with these two psychopaths?
1: In the the picture, or do you think they're just saying in general, you look like you're older now?
0: They say that I look like I'm older now than I did in 2013. I mean,
1: uh, well, first off, you still look really young for your age. which I'm not going to even divulge how how old you are because you look young. Thank you. I mean, and I like don't take offense to it, but. I mean, you do. You look like way younger than you are, way younger than I am. You look like one of the youngest people I've ever met. You could pass <laughs> for a 25-year-old. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. I look great. Well, not great, just young. You look great. You, you're a very stress-free life with the exception when Prisco and Eisenberg jump in your life. And then when I, I berate you about some of your hot takes, that huh. you think I'm actually giving you a hot take when actually in reality it's your hot take. The, the, maybe it
0: is. By the way, but look, this is like the last, like this is the, it's the draft. So it's probably April of 2000. What happened
1: with Eli Manning? He had to have burnt you. Did you, did you pick him in fantasy? Like there has to be a backstory to this because you, you have hatred for Eli Manning for some reason. Uh, yeah, no,
0: it's, it's, you should be able to figure it out, but I'm, su- I'm surprised you haven't figured it out. You know, there's, cause like, you know who doesn't, you know who else doesn't like Eli Manning? Uh, Steelers, Steelers fans, right? Because Ben Roethlisberger and Eli are always compared. You know, you know why I don't like Eli?
1: Cuz Rivers. I, I, I don't know. Cuz of Philip Rivers. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. That's right. That's right. Uh, because cuz Eli Eli will probably get the nod because he's got the two, two rings. You know, Super yep. Bowl rings and Rivers won't because he doesn't have That's that, right. You know. But I think we both know that Rivers is the better quarterback, right? Yeah, you can make that statistical argument. It's just I, I don't I don't ever know how to answer that because like in my opinion, I think both are like Hall of Fame caliber when you look how good they are, how durable they've been too. Like that's something in my mind just from, you know, having issues with injuries and then taking the hits and all that. Like when you look at what they've produced and then how many – like there's a toughness element. Like one of the things about Brett Favre you had to love was that mother effort was tough, dude. Mm. It didn't matter if he was getting the crap knocked out of him, if there was a bounty gate and there was literally – literally, not figuratively, literally, a bullseye on his back, and he would fight through games. Like, Eli and Phillip are very, very similar in that sense. And there's that's always, like, an underrated thing about quarterbacks, that they never get enough credit for, like, how healthy they are, how long they play, consecutive starts and all that. So uh, both those guys are Hall of Famers, in my opinion. So I don't really have a big issue with uh, with the debate, because I don't think there is a debate. I think they both should get in. All right, that's fine. Look, I don't hate Eli. The Giants thing... You hate him. You hate hate him. All right, fine. I hate
0: him. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and talk about other people I hate, like Pete Prisco and Jamie Eisenberg. (laughs) The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase clutch athletics at newbalance.com. The all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. Okay so we mentioned in in passing by the way Golden Tate agreed to fo- uh, terms breaking news on the podcast Golden Tate agreed to terms with the New York Giants so they got uh, got it
1: and, mm. and and the and the best part about this is the best part about this is um he's going to immediately help his completion percentage cuz he get cuz he gets those short routes yards after the catch and he adds another element outside of Sterling Shepard. Like, I kind of like their options now. Saquon, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate. And they could draft one, too. Is their offense
0: is offense going to be good? It might be good. It might be good. I'm going to look like an idiot. Awesome. I love it.
1: Um, yeah, that, that's the thing is. And well, it's, just think about this. Like, is, is, Was- uh, is Washington's Redskins defense, is that going to be any good? Like, could that offense score points to Casey and McCole McCoy? McCoy I have I have no idea. Like, I'm not sure how good they're going to be.
0: No, probably. Philly's not.
1: defense. Um, Philly's defense should be good, but they lost some pieces.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: And and people assume they're going to be good. The Cowboys, Cowboys should be good, but it was if DeMarcus Lawrence sits out the entire season. And now you've got no Randy Gregory, no DeMarcus Lawrence. I mean, maybe they go there in the draft, but I, I would have some concerns there. Like, I actually think the Giants will be better than people think.
0: Uh I I Golden Tate 4 years 37.5 million dollar deal with 23 million guaranteed. Let's talk about some slot receivers then. Ooh, the sexy slot receivers. And we'll get back to Antonio Brown in a second. Um I promise. But we want we've talked What do you think about the the idea there's three slot receivers and I don't want to make you talk about them all at once. But I'm going to throw them out there and then you can go whichever direction you want to go. One Adam Humphries, you got thirty-six million from the Titans and nine million a year over four years. Um, was ba- there there's a battle between that the Patriots and Titans all talked about this. Adam Humphreys admitted it. There was a battle where the Patriots were trying to get Humphreys to New England, and the Titans wanted him in Tennessee, and that was going on. Uh, two, Jamison Crowder signs for I think twenty seven million over three years with the Jets. They had him and Le'Veon Bell and Adam Gase's offense, uh, and and then uh, Golden Tate here in New York. How do you what do you think about those first two guys and the the slot market in general? I gave you like seventy questions there. Sorry.
1: You did, yeah. So, and Cole Beasley would be the other one that yeah, I'd look Beasley. at and say Buffalo. Like he might be the best fit because, you know, look, everyone's trying to mimic what the Patriots do with Joy Edelman. Everyone's trying to find a guy that can separate at the top of routes, especially short routes, and in particular option routes on third down. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for a guy who's reliable to catch the football, understands coverage, can adjust his route based on the coverage. And then it's going to be in a spot where the quarterback thinks it's going to be. So of that group, Cole Beasley is going to be a great fit in Buffalo. He should be at least in Brian Dable's system, which is, you know, really from his time in New England, trying to mimic what Josh McDaniels is doing. And it should help out Josh Allen. Um, You look at Golden Tate, you know, he's different to me because he could play inside, outside, anywhere. And he could help in returning if you need him to. Um, So I don't really view him as a slot. You know, I kind of view him as that, you know, number two or number three wide receiver that can move around anywhere and do a bunch of different things. So, um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, had a running back background coming out of high school, went to Notre Dame, really has continued to develop every single year since he's been in the NFL, from Seattle uh, to Detroit. Uh, Last year in Philly was tough because he just got there. It really wasn't a chance for him to learn the offense. Um, But when you look at how he's going to fit within Pat Shermer's system, West Coast offense, it'll be perfect. A lot of slants, a lot of unders, a lot of shallow crosses get the ball in his hand on screens and stuff, let him go. Um, so that should help. You know, you know Jameson Crowder in New York, that's an interesting one to me. I kind of I felt like in Washington, like I think he's a good player and a good receiver, but there's a little bit of product in the system too. And, and I'll be curious to see how this works out. Like I like the move in the sense of they're trying to find someone who's reliable for Sam Darnold and, and can do all the things that I'm talking about like these other guys can. Uh, but there's not as much help with the New York Jets. Like they need someone else outside of him as their legitimate number one in order for that to be effective. They don't have that guy. Mm. So that's, that, that's concerning to me. Um, you could probably make the same case in Buffalo, but they do have some burners, right? The sign John Brown, they've got Robert Foster. Like if you want to focus in and double Cole Beasley, you're going to leave yourself open up one-on-one somewhere else with some guys who can beat you downfield. And Zay Jones is in my opinion, developing that number one. So uh, really? I don't know that everyone calls a Jones that, but he, he is in my opinion. I think he's the number one wide receiver. Okay. Interesting. So, um, you know, but in New York, I don't feel like they have that guy. So if that, if that's the case, that could be a little bit more of a struggle. And I can't remember the first person you talked about. It was so long ago. <laughs> uh,
0: no, you said them all. And then you added Cole Beasley. You touched on them all. Cause it was, um, oh, Adam Humphreys, Adam Humphreys is who I was talking oh,
1: about. Oh, I gotta be honest with you, man. I don't know. I'm not, I just, I don't know. I, if I'm the Tennessee Titans, like they're another team maybe trying to mimic what's going on in, in New England. Yeah. But you're going to take a couple of things into consideration. One, you're the Tennessee Titans. You can't throw the football well. So I don't really know why <laughs> him going there matters. Um, the other thing is, is he had some studs around him and he was in an offense that really pushed the ball vertically. When you think of, you know, OJ Howard at tight end Mike Evans, Deshaun Jackson, like he was, probably the last thought on anyone's mind when you're playing this team and situationally, would you maybe look at doubling him or thinking, okay, on third down, this is where they're, where they're going to go. Yeah. But Adam Humphries wasn't going to kill you. And so, um, in my mind, he's, he's the one that I think is going to be the least effective of all of those slot receivers in part because of how you know bad the offense has been in regards to the passing game in Tennessee, but also just because I, I think he was in an offense that, um, you know, from a personnel standpoint, I helped him out. And then also, uh, just in general, you know, the, the Bucks being behind in games, all there's, there's a little bit of an inflation there, too, uh, with, with some of the stats. So uh, I, I think he's a decent player. I just – I don't rank him as high as some of those other guys.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, maybe he helps in the sense that you have Corey Davis. Like, maybe he draws a little bit away from Corey Davis, and Corey Davis is able to flourish a little bit. But I'm with you. I mean, it's it's a, a high price to pay. For, for a slot receiver. And slot receivers are great, and they're important, and you
1: need them in the modern NFL. Um, but there's a reason why. Dude, if I'm I, if I'm playing that team, I am loading up the box, yeah. and I am not scared to do so. Because right. Corey Davis hasn't proven to me he can be a number one. Um, Adam Humphreys, you know, I, I'll put someone one-on-one. I mean, he might win some of those battles, but I'll take my chances because I also think there might be some Aaron throws in there, too. Like, Marcus Mariota's really got to step up his game. If, if he wants to still be in consideration for being a franchise guy. Um,
0: now the, now the entire NFL slack room is talking about this picture of me and Prisco. I look like, I look like crap. Um, it's fine. I don't mind the, uh, at any rate. Sorry. I don't know why. I'm, How does
1: Prisco look? Cause he's like the ageless wonder. He hasn't aged for like the last, past two he's, decades. He's
0: got some hair working up top, actually. It's a little surprising. Um, huh. Not a whole lot of hair, but some hair. Uh, so. The all right, if you had a, if you were all right, Antonio Brown, what are your thoughts on Oakland and what they've done in free agency as well and, and the start of the league year? Because you know they they trade for Antonio Brown, a good price for Antonio Brown, regardless of what you think about uh, whether he'll behave or not. Antonio Brown gets there; he's acting. He's he's he's. What do you all right? What do you think about this theory? Because this is right in line with our podcast conversations. My theory with Antonio Brown is that he dyed his mustache blonde. And went full ga- gone, girl this offseason in order to force the Pittsburgh Steelers hand into trading him. And they did it and they gave away for nothing. He sunk his, tra- he sunk his trade value. And now the Steelers are left with nothing and he's going to Oakland and he's like acting like he's a great family guy and showing up with a fresh, clean shave and a, and a good look and not, you know, like I think it was all an act and I think he pulled it off perfectly. And I got to give him props for being a, a gone girl situation.
1: Oh, yeah, to use my buddy Jeff Darlington as his patsy, too. Get him to come down there for the interview and all that. I mean, mm. this was so calculated. Here's the problem is once you go Gone Girl, though, you can't go back to the same team. I mean, this, this has been in the playbook for players for a long time. You know, oh, I'm upset about my contract, and I want out. I want a new contract. I want to get somewhere else, and I want out. Well, this is what any, any agent would tell you. Uh, this is what you have to do, okay? You got to go full Gone Girl. What? What does that mean? Well, Can you grow a mustache? Well, if it was me, I can grow a mustache. Antonio Brown says, yes, I can. He goes, we need you to dye it blonde. Oh, okay. Uh, And your hair. Can we dye your hair blue? Uh, We just need to create a little bit of a contrast there for people to be questioning uh, your sanity. Okay, perfect. And then we need to go on a public spree of just outing your quarterback, anyone else within the organization, and just making these statements to make you look like an a-hole. Okay, done. I mean, most players... Wouldn't feel comfortable doing that because they feel like it may hurt their brand. But in this case, for a new contract, for a new uh, destination, and a team that values him, he was willing to do it, and it worked out. So, you know, a lot of a lot of people will talk about that. Um, you know, when you're under contract, holding out, what do you have to do? You know, you you stay away. You're gonna have to you know ruffle some feathers within the front office because. Like people think, well, you didn't have to go and, and talk to you know, people publicly about stuff or out your quarterback and everyone else. Yes, you do. You do. People talk about it all the time, well, you know, oh, the, why does the guy, why did Cleo Mack have to miss time last year, with the Raiders and all that? That's why they didn't sign into a deal. And I'll get that in a second. But hmm. it, he had to because it's the only leverage that you can utilize as a player to make them realize you're not there and make the media ask you or ask John Gruden in this case, hey, why is Cleo Mack not here? The next day, why is Cleo Mack not here? Next day, how are the negotiations with Cleo Mack? Why is he not here? It, it bothers the coach, right? The player's out of sight, out of mind. He doesn't have to deal with that. It's the only way you can put pressure on the team, the head coach, um, the general manager, and everyone else. So you, you've got to stay away, and then you've got you've to create a little bit of chaos to put more pressure on the organization. That's all you can do. And Antonio Brown played this role masterfully. <laughs> Here's un- what I think it's about the Raiders' offseason no. though.
0: It's unbelievable.
1: You, uh, you, <clears throat> you mentioned about David gentleman not having a plan a year ago. Didn't John Gruden say they didn't have the cash flow uh-huh. to sign Cleo back to his deal? Uh-huh. And what he, what he get a signing like sixty million guaranteed or something like that at signing? I think immediately, and then total guarantees were like higher than that, right? Yeah. So. You tell me. So Antonio Brown got thirty point one million, right? I guaranteed a signing.
0: Yes. Um, Trent Brown got a bunch of money
1: guaranteed, didn't he?
0: Yes, he did. I believe thirty-four million
1: for Trent Brown, who got sixty six million over four years. So what's that like sixty-four million total guarantees? Interesting. Lamarcus well, Jordan, he got signed, right? He got some guarantees in that contract, didn't he? He did. It's almost like they did That's have money. It. It's almost like they did have money. Yet, for whatever reason, they didn't want to extend Khalil Mack and extend Amari Cooper. And and so they could have gotten potentially a number one wide receiver younger or they could get Antonio Brown, who, you know, granted, could still very well be the best wide receiver in the game, but, like, for how long? I mean, who knows if Amari Cooper emerges into that at some point in his career, right? We don't know. Um, and so, look, for both sides, I honestly think the move could work out. I think Pittsburgh obviously got a lot less than they wanted for him, but it was a product of what they were willing to take at this time. And I don't think they wanted this to drag out. So uh, the bottom line is this could be another scenario where everyone's looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers and say, man, they lost out on that trade. Like Antonio Brown won, the Raiders won. I don't know. In a year from now, if the Raiders stink and Antonio Brown's throwing fifth in the sidelines, mm. like who, who, wins, who wins in that matter? I'm just saying maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers could be another team that, you know, maybe they were better off. But – I mean, again, hindsight, it's always 2020. But at this point in time, yeah, it, it'd be tough to make the case that Pittsburgh got the better end of the deal. I think Oakland, no doubt, is going to be better this year with all the moves that they're making. I, just, I think it's a drastic change in philosophy from what John Gruden said a year ago. When they were trading guys because they didn't have money and it seemed like they were rebuilding and they fired a general manager and all of a sudden they're signing all these veteran guys because they feel like they have to win now. I just it's drastically different than what we heard a year ago.
0: It feels like they got very impatient. Like they lost a lot of games and John Gruden said, I can't deal with this anymore. We're making some moves and I'm almost surprised they didn't sign Le'Veon Bell. Uh but you know, he ultimately decided to trade for Antonio Brown to give up. I mean, they had tons of cash to burn. Anything about Khalil Mack was a lie. He wanted to pay his own players. That's the reality. He wanted he wants this roster to be his, and he doesn't care about um, whether or not it's, you know, like he just doesn't seem to care if Khalil Mack is uh, you know, like he like it's it he doesn't it doesn't it doesn't do anything for him to have Khalil Mack out there. He wants his players on the roster. Does that make sense? No, yeah, and
1: by the way, Tyrell Williams. Those other fridges they just signed. Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. Don't get me wrong, like, I love the moves. Like, LaMarcus joining, good player. He's going to impact your defense help you out. Uh, and their draft is going to be solely spent on defense, or should be. Um, and then and then you look at Brigham and Trent Brown. That should help solidify the line. The tackles weren't good last year. I mean, they're both rookies, so that makes it difficult. And then now you've got three, like, really good veteran players. Antonio Brown, arguably the best wide receiver. Jordan Nelson, Mr. Reliable. And Tyrell Williams, who I think has a ton of upside, has played some really good football, even though last season wasn't a, a great season for him. So uh, I, I love the signings. You know, I, I really do. I, and I think they'll be better next year. But the tough part is, is they're in this really, really good AFC West division um, with KC and L.A. Chargers. And I think the Denver Broncos will be better with Flacco. I don't, I don't think that's going to blow up in, in L.A.'s face.
0: No, I'm with you. I mean, I, I don't think that the, Ra- like, the Raiders won the offseason in the sense that they got – you know, in the sense, they got Antonio Brown and they got all these players, but it's hard to imagine, at least for me. Whoa. The,
1: the Raiders think. won? You're not going to say the Browns won?
0: No, I think, no. I mean, I think the Browns and Raiders are two early off-season no, winners. No, no.
1: You can only crown one. Oh, oh. It's either the Browns or the Raiders playing in the Super Bowl.
0: Mm, I would say they would be the Browns, then. The Browns would be the offseason winners. I mean, they're 14-1. I think they do, too. They're 14-1 to, to win the Super Bowl, Brady. That's effing crazy. They're tied with the Packers, ahead of the Bears, Steelers, Chargers, Colts, um, and a, like a whole bunch of other teams. They're behind five teams to win the Super Bowl. People have lost their minds. It, it, like I'm on board with the Browns. I love the Browns. I love Baker Mayfield. But as we said earlier, expecting just to magically – become overnight this this team to go from eight wins in three years to 12 wins in one year is asking a whole lot.
1: Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'm glad you, you you show a little bit of, like, sensibility in this case because, <laughs> you know, usually you're off of these tangents out in the middle of nowhere, and, and people are just trying to fill you a life raft, trying to pull you back in. Is, uh, you're usually that guy in our crew. So Are you? Are you I'm the, glad to hear there's some –
0: are you ghostwriting, what? Are you ghostwriting uh, iTunes reviews? That's, a, that's what I was accused of in an iTunes review. In a different one, like, it was like a two-star. It's like Brinson's. Brinson's. Like, this podcast used to be great, but Brinson goes off on tangents and can't
1: answer. do not like, let people answer questions. <laughs> well, can, can I agree with the the, uh, the reviews? You do go off on tangents. And it's funny because every review you ever refer to, the first thing that you say they mention about Brinson is going off on tangents, which Damn. is 100% true.
0: Right, but I—I I, no one denies this. I mean, like that's like—if you what do you think I'm going to stop going on yep. tangents? If you've been listening to this, if you've been listening to this podcast for a year, and you're like, "Why won't Brinson stop doing this?" Maybe this isn't the podcast for you. Or yeah, maybe yeah or
1: should... I mean, it's, it's easier. At what point: Are we going to get to the uh, college admissions scam?
0: Oh yeah, uh, Becky. By the way, one more piece of breaking news: The Bears have signed Haha Clinton Dix. Breaking news on the, uh, the old podcast here. That happened on Thursday yeah. afternoon at 4.58. Um, the safety market has been crazy this year. Adrian Amos side with the Packers for good money. Uh, we saw, uh, of course, um, you mentioned Lamarcus Joyner got a lot of money. We saw Landon Collins get a pile of money from the Washington Redskins. Tyron Matthew got paid by the, by the Kansas City Chiefs. There's somebody else who's a big name. Oh, and, of course, Earl Thomas got $55 in and a very good deal from the Ravens. Eric Weddle moved to the Rams. What, what's your general thought, before we get to Aunt Becky, on the uh, the safety market out there?
1: Well, it's drastically different than last year. I think one yeah. of the reasons is teams are starting to realize, um, <clears throat> because of the, the way the game's changing, mm-hmm. we're seeing more mobile quarterbacks um, who are obviously keeping the football, running the football, getting downfield, um, and and they need to have, you know, faster, better players in the box who can, you know, get those guys, much like we saw the L.A. Chargers play, which was in part because of injury, but still a scheme too, uh, but play versus Baltimore in the playoffs. And and also because uh, you're getting mismatches between running backs and linebackers. Now, this year there's a couple of guys coming out of the draft, Devin White, Devin Bush. Those dudes, they can cover some running backs, so you don't need to bring in a safety for them. But a lot of other linebackers just aren't good in coverage. And I think we're starting to see more and more safeties are valued because of their versatility. Tyler Matthews is one of those guys, uh, which makes a lot of sense. Earl Thomas is a guy who's a, a, you know, very versatile, too. Uh, could play down to the box, could play free safety. Uh, is probably better in man coverage than Weddle was. Um, but a lot of these these safeties, I think, are being valued for that. And then I think the other thing they're being valued for is, is being really, really good um, either, for example, in the case of Landon Collins, he's decent in zone coverage, but he, he's a good tackler. I mean, bottom line is he's your typical in-the-box safety. You don't want him to, want him to be in coverage, but he can make plays against the run. Weddle's a guy that's going to get everyone lined up. He's going to bait quarterbacks into making poor decisions. You know, obviously not as fast as he once was, maybe not quite as good in coverage, but still. Like, they all do one thing pretty darn well. And one or two things, I should say. And, and so I think a lot of teams are, are basically valuing them for that. And and because now teams are using more and more safeties in their nickel and dime packages instead of just bringing in additional cornerbacks, uh, I think they're looking at them as, as a bit more valued than maybe what they've been in the past. Mm. Do you think that
0: with all the losses the Ravens took, zadarius Smith, uh, Eric Weddle, Terrell Suggs to Arizona, do you think they're in better shape now defensively or worse shape? Ha- the
1: L.A. Char- the L.A. Rams?
0: No, the uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Excuse me.
1: The Baltimore Ravens.
0: Um, Did you add, I mean, they added. Uh, they added. Uh, of course, uh, Earl
1: Thomas, and um, yeah. I mean, so look, there's obviously some holes, right? I mean, the linebacker position in general. I, I kind of look at it, and look, CJ Moses is a great player. Um, he got and he got paid a lot of money. Yeah, I, I think they can find you know a good linebacker in this year's draft. You know, someone who can fill that void. The edge. This is a deep draft for edge rushers too, so I think they could probably find those guys there as well. And it seems like the smart money always is more hesitant or patient in free agency. Mm -hmm. And so there's still some people out there you could go get. I mean, to the best of my knowledge, Justin Houston hasn't signed yet. He's still out there. He'd be a player that I'd be looking at bringing in on a one or two year deal. You know, at his age, and you know, seeing what you could pay him, see what could fit under the cap. Um, But but there's some guys out there I think you could still you know get some good prutch from from a free agent standpoint, and then obviously a very, very deep draft for that. So I think they'll be fine um, you know, replacing some of those pieces. The Mosley one's gonna be interesting though. Um because I, I just I I I was really shocked they couldn't figure out a way of extending them. Uh, but I just I don't think they were willing to commit the type of capital that obviously a team like the New York Jets was.
0: Yeah, and and for me I don't think I wanna be spending um yeah you know. $100 billion on a middle linebacker, even as good and as young and as talented as C.J. Mosley is and uh, like Quan Alexander, too, with the 49ers. Some of these deals are just crazy for, for these linebackers. It's hard to believe, you know?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, if Quan's wasn't quite the extent of, of you know, C.J. Mosley, and I think it's a little bit age, but, you know, a little bit from, you know, what I guess the, the overall value of what the Jets are looking for, how Greg Williams maybe views his defense versus Robert Sala. But, you know, bottom line, I mean, these guys are getting paid. And and I think, you know, maybe it makes sense where you know, they're almost like running backs. You know, some teams, you know, especially for a running back position, you know, you've got to have multiple guys now. For the linebackers, there's usually one that stays on the field. You know, it's, that's not all defensive backs or safeties playing down the box uh, with with their cornerbacks and everyone else. So, you know, maybe they feel like they can pay that one linebacker that's going to be on the field, never, you know, never leaves the field as your three-down backer. Maybe they feel like that's warranted. And compensate again for that now. Uh, all right, Aunt Becky,
0: going to jail or staying out?
1: Man, I don't know. So many different thoughts running through my head right now, and fantasies. Like, part of me would love to see like what she'd look like behind bars. Was that an episode of Full House at some point? <laughs>
0: did she ever go to jail? I don't. I don't. I don't
1: know. I just feel like maybe at some point she did because I feel like I'm, I'm either picturing it for some other reason. Or I remember seeing it at some point on Full House. I can't remember.
0: It's hard to imagine her, like, I feel like if she did, someone is going to find an episode of her going to jail. Um, and look, you know, that's, that's, that's true. That's how you got into Notre Dame, you know, multiple bribes from, uh, how, uh, what's your, I forgot your dad's nickname already. Hel- hey, Copper,
1: Chopper, yeah, Chopper, Chopper. chopper Tell right. Me, yeah, yeah, right. Chopper, Chopper has been doing other things. I'm like, uh-huh. Chopper wouldn't even be aware that sort of scheme would happen. Exactly. You know, he, he'd be the type of guy that would be like, Somehow involved in it, but completely unaware that he was actually involved in it. <laughs> he's, like, uh, um, he's
0: like the mule. Like, he's, like, he's Clint Eastwood, yeah, but he does yeah, know exactly. he's the mule. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what,
1: what actually were a couple of the universities that were caught up in all that?
0: You know what? I haven't paid that much attention to it. I've had some people ask me about it. Really? Yeah, because it's like sports. So right.
1: There's a, there a couple like, big-name universities. Like, I saw Yale, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think UCLA. Was there another university in Southern California that was involved? Yeah. Uh,
0: was was USC involved?
1: What I think it might have been. I think <laughs> I heard a number of coaches. Is that surprising? Like, is that very really, – Like, is that surprising? Nah, that's, that's what, really what percentage they, they haven't gotten in trouble before, have they? Yeah, let's say like what percentage.
0: It's like like does at what point does USC get a like a free a free sub because they get their athletic scandal punch card filled? You know, it's like football, basketball. Oh, you got track and field and rowing too. Congratulations, you get one free Title IX program. Um
1: you right. know what's so funny to me too is like out there is you'll talk to USC alums and they're like, yeah, well, we still won anyway. And you're like, what, what what's the point then? Why, why don't we just let everyone cheat? Like if people more like morally don't feel bad about cheating and they're just like, yeah, anything we need to do to win or anything we need to do to get our kids into college anymore. It's like, what's the point? Like what's the point of having like earning a degree if you didn't actually even earn your way into the university or do the <laughs> steps that you need or take the steps you need to. To get there in the first place, like it's just—I'm not sure what's worse. I'm not sure if it's if it's worse that some of these kids were maybe aware of it that the parents were doing it, or if like parents now are doing this for their kids because they're so desperate that they get into certain universities. And first off, what happened is just donating—you know, two hundred thousand, you know, five hundred thousand. Uh, to, to the university in the first place to get them in. I mean, wasn't that kind of how it always worked a little quick. Yeah. So, what, ha- what happened
0: to just using good old fashioned endowment cash? I mean, this is like the, you, yeah. don't, you don't need to, like, you don't need to run bribes. Just go donate the money and get a site, like, get a big science department and, and then you're good to
1: go. It's not that hard. Yeah. Hey, hey, genius. This scam's been working for years. Yeah. Yeah. yeah is that name on yeah. the building? Yeah. How no, do you think that dude got his kids into college? he get their SAT scores? No chance. He just dropped <laughs> yeah. a million bucks to get him in, right? Right. Yeah, Jackass. It's, yeah. It's, it's, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like this elaborate scheme. Yeah, this scam isn't new. It's called
0: higher education, you clown. Um all right. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, now that we're hey, born, uh on yeah. that note, what
1: how much did your dad drop to get you into NC
0: State? Uh NC State was easy. I got a, he, he dropped he dropped the cash to get me into boarding school and then you you parlay that into the uh, NC NC State in in uh, in ninety nine was not a uh not a uh, pay for play uh, scam. That, that, I, that the Princeton household was running. Although I will say that I probably uh, plowed through more cash in my first two years than my dad would have preferred based on my inability to uh, produce uh, high grades. So.
1: When you said plowed through, I thought that was going to take a completely different turn and then you said cash. And I was like, okay, all right. That's, I like, yeah. I, I, I see where you went there. I thought maybe, uh, maybe you're going to say something else there. I knew, I knew you got a little bit fratty at times. So uh, yeah, I was no. sure if there were some other stories coming along.
0: We can, uh, we'll save those stories for another podcast. Maybe the uh, the, Bra- the Brady, the Brady, the <laughs> Brady. You know, you know what we could do? We could do the the Brady and Brinson uh, college tour, and we just go and set up on ca- random campuses. And, oh my god! that would
1: be amazing.
0: And tell college stories at like various campuses and stuff like that be good
1: that'd be incredible you think we actually have someone to sponsor that yeah buffalo wild Wings will sponsor i'd, right? I'd, I'd be hammered the entire time yeah, no, you, i would not do that podcast over you and
0: i go and like drink beer on campuses and just like tell us tell like tell tales about what we used to do in college
1: and you could like teach me what it's like to be in a frat because we didn't have a greek system in notre dame yeah. and i always like wondered like one of my buddies was an sae at Miami of ohio yeah and i was just like trying to figure out the handshake and, and I was trying to figure out like, did you have to do the elephant walk to get in? Like what was his amazing? <laughs> he, 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 he wouldn't tell me. Yeah. I don't think but I'm pretty sure the elephant walk might've been part of it.
0: I don't think that I'm going to, I I'm it's the things are turning for kids and frats these days. I don't know that I would, if I was going to school now, I would not even get sniff a fraternity. Um, Based on <laughs> what, what I know and what I've and what I've seen happening out there. All right, got to get out of here. We are approaching the magical time limit at which I will be yelled at if, if we go past it. Uh, Brady Quinn, the best in the business. We'll have to do this again next week?
1: I, I hope so. Oh, if we, you have we, enough time and if Prisco and Eisenberg stop bothering you about some old photo.
0: I know. It's the hairless wonder. Won't leave me alone. All right, Brady. We'll talk to you next week, buddy.
1: All right, sounds good.